Take your Bibles and turn with me tonight to Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2. If you would please stand for the reading of God's Word if you're able to. We're in a series that we've titled Growing to Bring Him Glory. As a Christian, we should be trying to grow spiritually in order that we might bring honor and glory to the Lord. So many times uh, we think that it's just going to happen, and it doesn't just happen. You know, if you have a child, it takes work in order to get them to grow in many areas, whether it be physically, they have to eat. Maybe, you know, you have to get some exercise. That child has to exercise. But then you have to work with them and train them to talk and to read and to write and to do different things. And so it takes effort to grow. And it's the same way in your Christian life. It takes effort to grow. You have to work at growing in the Lord. And, uh, but the reason that the Lord wants you to grow is so that you can bring honor and glory to His name. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20 is the only verse we're going to read here in this text. And we'll go from there. Verse 20 says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I'd like to preach a message that I've titled, Identity is Key to Spiritual Growth. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this evening asking that you would help us, Lord, to grow in you. And Lord, I pray that we might understand who we are in Christ. And Lord, that our identity would be revealed and Lord, we'd realize that uh, we're a child of God. Now help us to, Lord, to get something from the Word of God tonight. Give me the words. Lord, may you be glorified. May you be magnified through all that's said and done. And Lord, I pray that you'd strengthen us to live for you, that you might get the honor and glory out of our lives. For I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Be seated. A lot of people don't realize it, but, uh, you know, one of the strongest animals that there is and largest animals is an elephant. But an elephant can be trained in such a way that they forget what their identity is as a strong animal. You find that if you go to a circus, if you've ever been to a circus, you'll find maybe between times when they're using the elephant, you may find that elephant standing over next to a tent or something And there's a stake drove in the ground, and he's got a chain around his leg tied to that little stake. To be honest with you, there is no problem with that elephant pulling that stake out of the ground. That stake could no more hold that elephant than you and I could stand out here and put our hands up and stop a train locomotive. But that elephant was trained when he was young, they would tie him to something that he could not move. They would chain his leg to something that he could not move. And that's all he remembers. And that became his identity, that he was not strong enough to move what he was chained to. As he grows and gets larger, they continue to chain him to something. Then after a while, they can drive a little stake in the ground, put a chain on one leg, and put it to that that stake, and all he does is feel the tug of it, and he doesn't go anywhere. Here's what's sad. Many times Christians are just the same way. You get saved, and Satan tries to chain you to something that you feel like you can't move, and tries to rob you of your identity that you're a powerful person in Jesus Christ, to keep you from living for the Lord and bringing honor and glory to His name. 
And so what's important in your life and in my life is to have an identity or know what our identity is, who we are in Jesus Christ. You see, before you got saved, you was on your way to the devil's hell. There's no, there was no hope for you. A person who dies without Jesus Christ will one day die and drop off into a lake of fire for eternity. That's why Jesus Christ came into the world to die for you and me. The Bible says that he, that he took our sins upon him. But God commenced his love towards them that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Not that we deserve salvation, not that we can earn salvation, but because he loved us. We all know the scripture for John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And so when you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, really your identity has changed. It really has changed. And I want to look at that a little bit tonight because it's important in your spiritual growth. Your spiritual identity is key to living for the Lord and growing in the Lord. You see, God didn't just go through the motions and the, and the work of, and the trouble of saving you so that you could just live in the flesh in this old world and be like you always was, or the devil could chain you up and make you perform at his command like we do the, like they do the elephant. God wants you to have the, the freedom to, to serve him and live for him. Many Christians today don't need a, what you might call primarily a deliverance. What they need is they, they need an identity check. You know, we're living day and time. People are so messed up in their thinking of who they are, what they are. I mean, it's, it's, we're living in an identity crisis today. I mean, just look around, listen, listen to the news, look at the news. Boys saying they're girls, girls saying they're boys. Some of them are saying that they're furries or animals. Identity crisis. And some, they don't even know. They, some of them, they had one that he's been let go now that worked for the government in high places over nuclear waste that he went by or she or whatever went by they. Anytime this person was referred to, he required them to call his name as they because he said that he was a multiple person. And so there was an identity crisis. Well, the problem today is, is that Sometimes as a Christian, there's an identity crisis in the fact that we, we need to understand who we are in Jesus Christ. We need to understand what the Lord Jesus Christ did for us, and we need to understand who we are in Him. You see, Christianity is not about performance. It's not about how well you perform, but it's about the relationship that you have with Jesus Christ. It's not about a bunch of rules. Those rules are good and they're in the right place and they direct us and guide us. But that's not what the Christian life is about. The Christian life and being a Christian is about the relationship with Jesus Christ. Far too often the Christian picks up and, uh, and identifies by the old saying, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. And there's even a song, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. And in one way, there's nothing wrong with that. There's truth in that statement to see where you came from and where you are as a born-again Christian. You, you Once, yes, you was lost, but now you're saved, and you were saved by the grace of God through faith. And so, yes, you could say you just that you as a sinner saved by grace, but when you put that word in there, just, you're messing with your identity in Christ. When a person says, I'm just a sinner saved by grace, but the Word of God tells us that we're differently than that's different than that. We're 
more than just a sinner saved by grace. In fact, in Romans 8, 37, it says, Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us, through Jesus Christ. We're conquerors, able to conquer great victories for the Lord. We're not just a sinner saved by grace. In Romans 8, chapter, or chapter 8, verse 16 and 17, it says, The Spirit itself bear witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. The children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with Him, that we may also be, uh, may be also glorified together. You see, when it talks about you being an heir and a joint heir with Jesus Christ, a child of God, it's like this. Whatever belongs to Jesus Christ belongs to you too. That's a little bit different than I'm just a sinner saved by grace. And so many times we don't realize what we have in Jesus Christ. Therefore, we don't understand our identity and we don't live for the Lord to the fullest that we possibly can. It'd be like this. Let's say that Hunter was having an identity crisis as to, as to whether he is my son and Janine's son, and that maybe, you know, uh, he comes home and we say, now, Hunter, this is your home. Now, right now, he'll come in, he'll raid the refrigerator, the cabinets, and any place that there might be some food, and a few places that there's not any food if he's hungry. But let's say he has an identity crisis. He's not really certain. So when he comes home, he don't go to the refrigerator. He don't go to the pantry, even if he's hungry. He don't realize that he has the freedom to do what he wants to. It would be like me coming, you say, Brother Haggett, you're my pastor. You can come on my house. You can do anything you want to do. I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to walk in there. I'm not going to go in and, and check out the drawers and check out the cabinets and, and, and go to your refrigerator and do all that sort of stuff. Even though you may say that. Why? Because I don't identify as the owner or that closeness to what you have. And what happens today is many times Christians don't realize what they have because they're hanging on that word, just a sinner saved by grace. We're more than just a sinner saved by grace. We're a child of God. Heir and joint heir with Jesus Christ. That would be like... You know, not only does Hunter have free reign of our house, basically, and he and, and you know he can do he can go eat and everything. Uh, Blake and Levi. Now the girls can't do this, but they can come over to my house anytime, get anything they want to eat. But we're not going to let the girls do that. Amen. <clears throat> How come? Because girls leech you out of house and home. The guys won't do that. Just kidding. No, they got just as much freedom. And it was a little bit hard, I'll be honest with you, it was a little bit hard for me when Janine and I got married, we'd go to her folks, and I wanted, and I, I'm a tea drinker, and her mom knew that, and she would keep tea in a pitcher in the refrigerator when I'm there. But it was a little bit hard for a, a long time for me to go to the refrigerator and just get the tea out and go get me a glass and get my own tea and everything, even though I was married. 
And I remember Diane several times telling me, said, listen, just, just go get you some or whatever. I'll, I'll get it for you. No, I'll get it, and I'd go get it. But I'm going to be honest with you now. I've been around her mom so much now, it doesn't bother me. I'll go in there and get me something to drink, and I'll, I'll go, if I want something out of the pantry, I'll go in there. In fact, I'll ask her, you got anything in the pantry? Why? Because I, I have a better understanding now because of all these years of marriage. I have a better understanding that I'm her son-in-law. And she hasn't run me off with a shotgun yet. <laughs> and so I have a better understanding of who I am with her. And that's what is needed in the Christian life if we're going to grow in the Lord spiritually and if we're going to bring honor and glory to His name. So our identity, let's look at this, our identity begins with the cross. Look there again, verse 20 of Galatians chapter 2 says, I am crucified with Christ. I am crucified with Christ. When we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, He takes up residence in our lives and puts to death the old nature that's in us. We have the old sin nature in us before we get saved. That's who we are. That's how we would have to identify as a sinner on our way to a devil's hell. That's who we are. But when we receive Jesus Christ as our Savior, we're no longer that sinner that is on on their way to hell. But we've been crucified with Jesus Christ. When we accept him as our Savior, he takes up residence in our lives. He puts to death the old nature within us. Because of that, we have a new nature. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. We get a new nature. Things have changed in our lives. The Lord now dwells within us. What know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you? which you have of God and you're not your own, for you've been bought with price, therefore glorify God and you're by spirit, which are God's. He dwells within us when we receive Him as Savior. The spiritual death means that sin no longer is the core definition of us. Okay? If I was to lay it out this way before I got saved, the definition of my life was sin. But after I got saved... That sin was put to death. And no longer is that the core definition of Rodney Haggett. But the core definition would be a child of God. A new nature that has come within me. And I'm a born again Christian on my way to heaven. But our problem is, is that with sin, people say, well, preacher, I still struggle with sin. I understand that. But you got to understand. Stand up, Blake. When you look at this young man, what, who do you see? We're going to be here all night unless you answer me. Who do you see? Blake. But can I tell you something? What you see is really not Blake. Preacher, you done flipped. What you see is the body that Blake lives in. Thank you. That's what you see. That's the envelope. It's like this. When you get a letter in the mail, do you open it up and throw the contents away and just look at the envelope? No, you open it up and 
If you're going to throw anything away, you'll throw the envelope away. Why? Because the letter's on the inside. Now, when you get it, you can say, I got a letter. You can look up here where the return address is. I got a letter from, from a, a, a Russell. Russ Mitchell's on there. I got a letter from Russ Mitchell. Well, that envelope's not the letter. What's inside of the envelope is the letter. What's on the inside of you is the real you. Now, when you get saved, this flesh doesn't get saved. You get saved, the inside. That's where salvation comes. But after salvation, that old sin man, that old sin nature is put to death. There's a new life living there. Jesus Christ dwells within you. But you still have the old envelope. You still have the old flesh. And that's where the struggle comes in. Because the flesh didn't get saved. It's still the same old flesh. If that letter that I got from Russ Mitchell, if it had been dropped on the ground, somebody stepped on it and, and twisted on it and it tore it a little bit and got muddy and dirty and, and, uh, and, and whatever it is, and I look at that and, man, that's a mess, but I get the letter out of it and I've got the letter. You know what? That envelope's not going to change. And so we struggle with the flesh. And so that's where the battle comes in, is with the flesh in your lives when we're talking about sin. Our problem with sin is, is a problem with the flesh, the house that we live in. Too many believers aren't growing because they're still hanging out in the old cemetery with the corpse of the old self, the old flesh, trying to resuscitate what God's put to death. The old man that was inside of you died when you got saved. And you're still standing there thinking, I've got to resuscitate him. I, I've got to bring him back to life. And you're living in the cemetery when you ought to be living for the Lord and serving God. See, I don't quite understand that. Well, it's like this. Before you get married, you live what we call the single life. But when you get married... You're really no longer single, are you? The Bible says, in fact, they which are twain shall become one flesh. So you don't have the single life. You're supposed to be living the married life, which is two people. But here's a problem that you find today, and I deal with this in marriage counseling. Too many times they'll get married, and one of them may still be trying to live the single life. And it don't work. That's what happens to us. Many times we're trying to live, live the life that without Jesus Christ, we made the commitment to Him and received Him as our Savior, and we're still trying to live the old way. We struggle with the flesh. You see, that person who's single has to die to their singleness to be able to enjoy the marriage union. Marriage demands a total different mindset and commitment to a new way of life. It's a new way of life. When you got saved, it's a new way of life. It's a new commitment. It should be a new mindset, an understanding of what Jesus Christ did for you. So God wants you to leave the cemetery, the old life, and take up your new identity as a child of God. 
to live for Him, to serve Him. Yes, there are going to be struggles with the flesh. But as you grow in Christ, you'll learn how to deal with the flesh. Christ became, He becomes our life. In Galatians 20 there, looking or Galatians 2, 20 says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. See, what we got to understand is, is that Christ is in us. It's not that He's just in us, but that He's living in us. And I think that's where we mess up a lot of times. Yeah, preacher, I know the Lord lives within me. The Bible says so. I know that He's in me. Yes, but He's living in you. Living is doing something. He's not just sitting there. He's not just wanting to sit there. He's wanting to have control in your life and guide your life and, and direct your life because your new identity is a born-again Christian is that you're to live for Him and bring honor and glory to His name. The Lord wants to live in you, to move in and to settle down and fully express Himself through you. Allowing the Lord to live out His life through you is... You might say the fountainhead of spiritual growth, only when God is allowed to work in us by the power of the Holy Spirit can we have a lasting spiritual growth. And so what it is, is it's that you're giving every part of your life. It's like this. If I, if I invite Ronnie over to the house, and I say, Ronnie, just make yourself at home. I, man, you're just, you're just one of the family, Ronnie. He comes in, and I go over, and I close this door, and I lock it. I go over to this place, and I close that door, and I lock it. I go over here to this door, I close it, and I lock it. And I go over here, and he's in one room. I said, Ron, just make yourself at home. You know what? He's not going to feel at home because I have locked him off from home. In your life and my life, the Lord wants the keys to every room. Well, Lord, you can have that in there. Boy, that, that's, the, that's my living room. I'm not ashamed of that. There's the dining room. Lord, you can have that key. I'm trying to lose a little weight, but, you know, I don't think that's such a big sin. And, and make yourself at home. You go to the refrigerator. Well, Lord, I'll tell you what, I'm going to hang on to this one. Well, what is that? Well, it's a closet. Well, what's the big deal if it's a closet? Well, Lord, you wouldn't be interested in what's in there. I'll just hang on to that one. Then, Lord, oh, well, that's the key to my office. Lord, you really don't need in there. There's nothing there to you'd really be interested in. And Lord, you could, well, I'll hang on to that one too. And in your life and my life, we say, Lord, we want you to be at home. We want you to have control. And we lock him out of every area of our lives except for what we think he can't find anything wrong with. Can I tell you something? The greatest need in your life and my life is for the Lord to open those doors and help us to clean out those closets.
and help us to pitch those things that shouldn't be in those rooms and help us to get where we ought to be spiritually. But He'll never be able to move freely in your life until he, you give Him all the keys to every room in your life. And when you begin to identify as, as a child of God, and when you begin to identify with Him and allowing Him to have control in your life, you're going to have to do that in order uh, for Him to have the freedom to do what He wants to. The sad part is, is that many Christians have limited that part of their life in which they allow the Lord to live in and through them. Much like the children of Israel in Psalm 78 Speaking of the children of Israel, he says, How oft did they provoke him in the wilderness and grieve him in the desert? Yea, they turned back and they tempted God. Now listen to what he says here. And limited the Holy One of Israel. They remembered not his hand, nor the day when he delivered them from the enemy. Here's what's sad about you and me. We do the same thing if we're not careful. We limit God. See, preacher, I thought he was an almighty God. He is. I thought he could do anything. He can. I thought he was more powerful than us. He is. Well, then how did we limit him? God so chooses to allow you and me to limit what he'll do in our lives. Let me say it again. God so chooses to allow you and me to limit Him in what He does in and through our lives. You say, well, I don't believe that. Well, you stop and think about your life. There was times after you were saved that, that boy, I'll tell you what, you was close to the Lord and you was on fire and God was really working through you. And then all of a sudden, this thing, you begin to draw back. No longer is there some things maybe serving God like you used to. Maybe no longer is there, is there a stirring in your heart like there used to be. How come? Because you have limited God. It's not that He can't, but it's that you won't. And He allows that. Now, one day you'll stand and give an account for that. But the truth is, is that, that we have to open up and allow Him to have that control and allow Him to do what He wants to. In order for the Lord Jesus to make Himself at home in your life, He needs to have full run of the house, your life allowing Him to take full possession of the house. It's like this. It's talk like we could give an example maybe of electricity. Caleb, he, he is an electrician. Okay, he works, with, he works with electricity. Doug works with electricity here in town. Keeps it up and running. Keeps our lights on when he can. <laughs> you know, he keeps them going pretty good. They work with electricity. But on the other hand, there's a little strange animal that they found that is called an electric eel. An electric eel does not work with electricity. An electric eel has electricity in his body. And he uses it to get his food and, and to protect himself. The difference is this. Some work around it. And some 
have it in them and it empowers them. And what I'm saying is this. You can read the Bible. You can go to church. You can do good works and work around the things of Jesus Christ. But until we let him have control of this body so that he works in us and through us, we'll not see the great works that he can do. What he desires in your life and my life is that we would surrender our lives to him that he might work through us in great power and in great might. That body of that eel is energized, and the Lord wants to energize you and I to live for him, to magnify him. The Lord wants to do more. Than, he wants to express his power of his life through your body and his spirit. In 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7, he says, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Talking about the Holy Spirit, the Lord living within us in this body. It's called an earthen vessel. That the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Otherwise, we live this life in his power and not in our power. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 10 there in the same chapter, it says, but uh, in the latter part of that verse, says that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in your body. Otherwise, that others can see Jesus Christ. Manifest means to, where it's written there, talks about that it can be seen. It it becomes, uh, 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 people can see it in your life. People ought to see Jesus Christ in your life. Why? Because it brings honor and glory to the Lord. That's the purpose of living for the Lord. Then it's to be Christ living through you, as we've already said. But look here in verse 20 again. Down about middle ways there it says, And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith of the Son of God. We've got to grasp the truth that we can't live the Christian life ourselves. What are you saying, preacher? You were talking about living the Christian life. You can't live the Christian life. I can't live the Christian life. There has only been one person who has ever truly lived the Christian life, and that's Jesus Christ. And the reason is, is because we have a body of sin, of flesh. And it, it trips us up. Jesus Christ did not. He never sinned. There's only been one who has totally ever lived the Christian life, and that is Jesus Christ. But because he lives within you, he wants you to be able to live that Christian life, not through your power and, and, and abilities, but through him, by his power, by his ability. If you had a hydraulic jack, just a floor jack, a hydraulic floor jack here. If you take the hydraulic oil out of that jack, you can stand there and pump it all you want to pump it, and that jack's not going to raise anything. But when you put the fluid back in it, the hydraulic oil back in it, which, by the way, if you look through the Scripture, the oil is a picture of the Holy Spirit of God, that fluid gives that jack the power to lift great weight. That fluid may only be a quart of fluid. And, but it could raise, and even not even a quart of fluid. We used to have some 60-ton uh, bottle jacks 
that didn't even hold a quart of hydraulic fluid. Can you imagine just taking, let's, let's just call it a quart, a quart of hydraulic fluid and holding it in your hand and stop and think about that jack. When that, when that oil is put in that jack, it's able to raise 60 tons. You say, preacher, is that a lot of weight? 120,000 pounds. A hundred and twenty thousand pounds with a quart of fluid. My friend, it's when we surrender to the Lord and allow His power to live through us that we can live the Christian life. In fact, we find over in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Don't say it's through Christ. Didn't say it's through our abilities, our strength. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. It's not what we can do, but what He can do through us and in us. You see, Jesus is the only person that said that could live that life. God never asked you to be a Christian in your own power. He doesn't expect you to yield your body. Uh, uh, he, he does expect you, though, to yield your body to Christ as a living sacrifice. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. He said, I want you to be a living sacrifice. He said, I want to work through you, living for me. Anything less is like putting your car, you might say. A lot of Christians are like this. We put our car, in, it's like a person putting their car in neutral and putting the gas pedal on the floor. The engine races up and it's loud and man, it, boy, it sounds like you're going to tear things up and you probably will if you keep on doing it. Look out your window. You're going absolutely nowhere. And a lot of Christian lives are that way. They're working themselves and working themselves and trying to do it in their own power and their own power and their own power. And it's all the time. It's sitting in neutral and they got their foot on the floor, making a lot of noise, but getting nowhere fast. What do you got to do, preacher? You got to put it in gear. You got to change. You got to shift from neutral in your life. to the presence of the Lord, allowing Him to empower you and to strengthen you. And lastly, in closing, Christian life is not passive. Look again there, which we read while ago in verse 20, the, about middle ways down, it says, In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith of the Son of God. Christian life is not just a let go and let God. Boy, how many times have we heard that? Well, just let go and let God. The Lord don't work that way. The Lord wants you engaged. And he wants you to work through you. There's people all around you and me that don't know Jesus Christ as their Savior. You could easily sit back and say, Save them, Lord. Oh, I've been praying for them. Pray they get saved. More than likely, the Lord's waiting for you to get off your can 
go knock on their door and talk to them about Jesus Christ. Prayer is right, and prayer is the thing that we need to be doing. But prayer is in preparation to step out and do what the Lord wants to do through us. It's like your Bible. Say, boy, I'd like, preacher, I'd like to have a, a greater, I, I've got a desire to, to really read my Bible more and really read my Bible more, and, and I'm praying that God will just help me read my Bible more. Well, put your telephone down and pick up your Bible. You say, you mean that he won't just, no. He'll help you have a greater desire once you step out and pick up that Bible, begin to read it. He'll help you be a witness when you get out of your chair and go talk to somebody. I don't know about you, but I, I try to, and it don't always happen daily, but several times through the week, Lord, would you put somebody across my path that I can talk to about the Lord Jesus Christ. And then I begin to look for those opportunities. Sometimes it's just a little thing. Maybe, you know, sometimes it's praying with somebody. Sometimes it's telling about Jesus Christ. Sometimes it's inviting the church. Sometimes I get the opportunity to give them gospel track. Whatever it is. But you know what? Until we decide that we're going to engage, the Lord didn't make us just to sit back let go and let God. He said, I'll be with you and I'll strengthen you and I'll help you. It's a life that's lived by faith in the Son of God. The Christian life is more than believing in God. It's believing God and what He says in His Word without reservation and then obeying it. So in order to grow spiritually and bring glory to the Lord, we must realize our identity in the one who lives in us and wants to live through us. You see, you're not just a sinner saved by grace. There's so much more there. Yes, you were a sinner, and yes, you were saved by grace, but that's not what you just are. You are a child of God, an heir, a joint heir with Jesus Christ. You are the temple of God. The Holy Spirit dwells within you. You are a tool of God to be used of the Lord to reach others. Because I'm telling you what, we're living day and time when a lot of people's dying without Jesus Christ and they're dropping off into the lake of fire. And what they're needing is they're needing people who are going to live through the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, to be a witness and testimony and share gospel with them and bring honor and glory to the Lord. Let's bow. Father, we thank you for loving us. Lord, so many times we forget who we are and who's in us. Now, Lord, I pray that you'd strengthen us to live for you, to serve you, to magnify you. Lord, there might be someone here tonight that doesn't know Jesus Christ, their Savior. If they were to die today, they don't know that they'd go to heaven. Lord, I pray during this invitation they might come. Let's take a Bible and show them how they can receive the Savior who died for them, loved them so much, didn't want them to go to hell, but now it's up to them to come to, to you, Lord, and receive you. Have your will and way, Lord. Help us to live for you. Help us to put aside, Lord, the old sayings. And, Lord, help us to reach out in newness of life, Lord, a new creation, 
Use to bring honor and glory to your name. For this I pray in Jesus' name.